Hello and welcome to our Zevo Talk session on men's mental health for International Men's Day, which is on Sunday, 19th of November. I'm delighted to have with us today, Jamie O'Crowley, psychotherapist and wellness speaker. Welcome, Jamie. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome to our Zevo Talk session on men's mental health for International Men's Day, which is on Sunday, 19th of November. I'm delighted to have with us today, Jamie O'Crowley, psychotherapist and wellness speaker. Welcome, Jamie. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining the discussion today. So first of all, why are we here talking about, you know, men's mental health? Why is it an important issue for, for this podcast, do you think? Well, you know, it, it, it's coming at International Men's Day. So this is celebrated on November 19th. And I suppose it's a chance to recognize and honor men's contributions to society. Um, mm -hmm. But more importantly, I think, raise awareness about their well-being. And it's, it's always a good opportunity to put a strong focus on on um, men's mental health as well, you know, because mm -hmm. despite the fact there's lots more talk and chatter around men's health, there still is a lot to be um explored and a lot to be ingratiated and integrated into society as a whole I feel so I'm kind of coming yeah. out strong there but that's good <laughs> yeah yeah no uh, really yeah. I think it's an area that's in developmental stages and is progressing and is a hot topic at the moment as well about you know how men's mental health may differ or how they process emotions differ or does not differ from women as well and there's been a lot of um I suppose support there for women's health and women mm -hmm. may be a bit more proactive about seeking help, a bit more open about mental health concerns they might have. Uh, whereas, you know, there might be a couple of, I suppose, barriers or there's, there's kind of a, a gender difference there really, isn't there? Sure. I mean, I think that, you know, it's it's hard. Sometimes uh, discussions like this are a little bit difficult because we are drawing a line between men and women, as it were, traditionally mm -hmm. so, right? So I kind of just wanted to mention that at the start because it's it's important to know that there is delicate ground to walk on anyway. Yes, um, so it's important to kind of keep it looking. Um, you know, I, I can speak a lot to to uh, men's health because that's how I identify, I feel that way. So um, I can bring in a lot of my own experience and also experience, I suppose, within different groups and people that I work with who happen to be men as well, you know, and I feel that might add a bit more um, I suppose of a richness and a depth to to sometimes a bit uh, sterile. This can be sometimes a sterile topic, you know, if we, we get bogged down in figures and stats like I am prone to do anyway. So mm -hmm, I was trying to get, yeah. invite more in. So but I mean, but there is something that I suppose is the most important thing for me anyway to mention at the start. And I kind of want this to be the ghost that hovers over the next little while that we talk, which is that like this, these figures are probably accurate. Um, I'm going to say that again, they are accurate because I looked them up. They're, they're accurate until May 2023. And we're going to just talk about suicide rates for a moment. And now still, um, the male suicide rate is 14.2 for every 100,000. And a female suicide rate is 5.2 for every 100,000. All right. So I'm acutely Almost aware that... three times the, yeah. the, the rate. Yeah, still. Exactly. And... and yeah. And, you know, it's one of the highest rates of male suicide in Europe as well, you know, so look, I'm acutely aware that not all mental and emotional difficulties result in suicide. Um, mm -hmm. But it feels like an important fact, I think, to set the tone because we're dealing with real outcomes here and we're dealing with real people as well. And it's it's important to look at the consequences of um, of mental illness, I would say, or or mm -hmm. when mental health isn't looked after. So 
you know, it's kind of heavy hitting at the start, but I kind of wanted to remain with us as we talk too, because it is it's such an important um, point to keep reminding ourselves of, you know, that people are suffering and people are are leaving as a result of that suffering. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe people that aren't change. seeking that help or maybe that support system isn't there as well, which we'll, yeah. we'll discuss. And sure. it can be, I think it's roughly about 10 percent are languishing and another 20 percent are in poor mental health as well. So just a considerable sure. section there that's in need of support and people do move between sections and into improved mental health as well, which is positive to see that something can be done as well. So um, maybe since we're talking about, you know, Irish figures and the Irish context, do you mm. think for me personally, from being from the countryside, having, mm. you know, three younger brothers um, and seeing the impact, particularly back in the 80s, 90s of how difficult it could have been for men to be open up open up about challenges they may have or seeking help, particularly around teenage years. I know some of my classmates who unfortunately died by suicide as well. That was a very hard environment, particularly in a rural area, particularly with that Irish cultural influence as well. Um, where do you think that might stem from that, you know, that Irish, you know, I suppose culture around, you know, drinking, pub culture back yeah. in the day as well. And I mean, this is certainly going on hundreds of years in Ireland where men must mm -hmm. be strong and resilient and buckle mm -hmm. up and, you know, this resilience through hardship, but yet yeah. no room for vulnerability, for yeah. asking for help even. Yeah, well, I think I think it's really it's a really good thing that you brought in the Irish context there because it's, it has such value in discussing something like this, because, you know, if, if keeping it just to, yeah, as you point out, that Irish context, there is a traditional Irish culture and societal norms that can impact men's health. It's what you've seen growing up and certainly what I've seen growing up too. Mm. And historically, many Irish men, actually many men in general, I would say, you know, across multiple cultures have been raised in, in an environment that emphasizes strength and resilience and self-reliance. And all of these things can potentially discourage them from expressing vulnerability, as you say, or seeking help for mental health issues. And even just kind of honing in just on on the Irish for a moment, you know, in terms of our history, things such as, you know, economic struggles, immigration, mm. or, you know, the legacy of the troubles and all that kind of stuff, there's a very strong argument to be made that, it, that the, the legacy of that has impacted mental, the mental and emotional health of, of men and women in this country. And I know we're focusing on men today, but the more we, we learn about this, or the more we're open to it, we're going to start to invite different aspects of this into the conversation, such as epigenetics and intergenerational trauma as well, which I, I really yes. feel has a place at the table here. And, you know, these are these are big words, right? Things like epigenetics, like I nearly fumbled over a second time saying it. So <laughs> yeah. there is reason I'm fumbling because it's still a relatively new area of understanding within the field of mental health. But to put it down into into yeah. simple terms, you know, um, Genetics is that kind of study of her uh, heredity, right, where epigenetics is looking at how environmental influences um, can cause certain genes to be silenced or expressed, you know, so we can look at that and something as simple as the stress response. OK, so yes, uh, you have like a, a legacy of something, you know, um, uh, you know, say like your grandparents went through something or your parents, grandparents, their grandparents, you know, depending on the environment that they grew up within with high stress 
you know, going through some of the the um, the troubles in Ireland that we've we're discussing so far, you know, there, there's an argument to be made that that same activation of the stress response can exist three or four generations down because we're hardwired to feel it more, you know. Now, as I said, it's, another, it's, it's kind of like an evolutionary adapt adaptation process really it kind of makes mm. sense from that perspective but it's so interesting that something that can happen generation previously or uh may have occurred with your grandparents that your nervous system your own nervous system is built yeah. to react in that fight or flight or maybe that kind of shut down mode as well that's kind yeah. of yeah, before yeah. we're born you know that that's stages set which is really interesting so in in the irish context you're thinking of as you said the troubles and even yeah. far back to you know the famine may have had an impact as well yeah, and absolutely you know fleeing yeah. the country or staying here yeah in well, conditions. i think it's absolutely right you know and then, then you know it's so easy to kind of turn your nose over this type of stuff but i really feel it does exist on the on the island of ireland still because you know we're talking about that that intergenerational piece here that trauma that exists and so in other words you know in case anybody isn't aware of what that is it's mm -hmm. how traumatic experiences can affect children and grandchildren um of those who initially suffered experience, that uh, yeah. that experience or that trauma through uh you know psychological or social and maybe even biological ways which is where the yeah. epigenetics kind of fits into that a little bit you know so this can include a, a wide variety of experiences anyway, from things like war, things like poverty to, as you said, the, the Great Famine to abuse, you know, um, mm. events, events mm. that are that are deeply, deeply woven um, into Ireland's history. And it's not and it's not just a, a male thing or, or a female thing. It's a, it's a person thing, which I, but, but mm. it, it does have implications. So without, you know, oversimplifying history, I mean, we were talking about those those widespread traumatic things again, the famine conflicts, institutional abuses as well, and how these collective traumas can have lasting effects effects across um, generations. And these these events have, sorry, I'm getting kind of <laughs> uh, riled up about it, right? But these no, these no, events, this is great. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. These events can be. It can be argued that they they in essence shape the mm -hmm. Irish identity, right? Um, yes, yes. communal relationships and individual and most importantly, individual mental health. And we see this through our own internal reactions to anxiety. But we also tr see it across the board through how we vote in our politics, what art is like in this country and um, mm -hmm. all of this stuff that is yeah. that is so tapped into um, these experiences that we had. And there is an idea, I suppose, that as we as we're talking about now, that this stress and this trauma that has been endured by the previous generations during these historical events may not just pass down psychologically, but could also, again, pot potentially affect the ex the genetic expression of future future generations as well. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. you know, you mentioned that the, the stress response, and I think it's probably the most important thing to mention here because, you know, the high stress environments can trigger those changes um, of the expression related to the stress response, potentially leading to um, mental health issues in descendants, you know, so and addiction as well, or addiction, alcoholism, I think the propensity towards it. Yeah, 100 percent, you know, absolutely. I think as well, so when I started looking at this stuff, right, immediately I started getting a bit freaked out because I was thinking, OK, yeah. what does this mean? So, yeah, I think yeah. I think there's a there's a there's a healing in moving. There's a healing and understanding and an empowerment and understanding that this could be an aspect of it, right? So it's like, and that there's a lot of factors outside your own mind when you're thinking a stigma about your own mental health impacts that it's 
even greater than than you as an individual. You oh, know? and you know what? You've hit the nail on the head. That's such a really important point that you made there, because that, you know, and especially in terms of impairment, understanding um, the potential impacts of things like epigenetics or things like intergenerational trauma is it isn't meant to make individuals feel like they're trapped by the past or burdened by the past or that there's no uh, escape from that eventuality. Mm. Well, my granddad suffered, therefore I'm going to suffer. Like we can park mm. that for a moment. It's understanding that, as you pointed out, there's a deeper understanding that there, there are forces that may shape our mental health that go outside the realm of our responsibility. And this is especially important for men to hear as well, I feel, because, you yeah, know, yeah. as you men mentioned very rightly at the beginning of, of this of this conversation, perhaps women find it easier to speak and seek help. Perhaps there isn't that same stigma that may exist for men to do that. And as a result, by reaching out and by voicing what's going on for you, you're inviting in a different perspective. You're getting outside the echo chambers mm. of your own yes, mind, your and, mind. Yeah. And, and 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 suddenly you have a, a ray of light that comes in through the clouds the reverse when you're not talking is is equally as powerful but it might not lead to a nicer outcome which is i'm stuck in this position now i must have got myself here i'm not talking about it and and that cycle goes so even just by letting it even if you can't talk to anybody yet even just letting in the knowledge that okay hang on a second G generationally i've been on this island for a while what has happened here before that's maybe lingering, you know, um, and even if you're not, you're Irish, but you're not you know, generationally from this island, chances are from wherever generationally you are from, you are bringing yeah. some stuff over as well. So it still yeah. applies. We just happen to be talking about the Irish context a little context, bit, you know, yeah. so there's there can be an impairment there, I feel, you know. By yeah. And for other cultures, there can be expectations in the family, uh, oh, yeah. roles of, of the male in the family. Um, religious expectations as well it's it's just an interesting thing but mm. also i suppose there's a point that there's individual agency there's individual differences yeah um as well not that it's all you know external or cultural but i think maybe stigma in itself mm. plays a part because with men and women, there can be a sense of, you know, shame about, you know, suffering with anxiety and having symptoms, feeling nervous at work because you're, you know, a built up anxiety and you're trying to perform or being asked to do tasks or not being able to get out of bed in the morning because of, of depression. And this could have occurred from, you know, a significant life event or something maybe going on on, a, on an unconscious level that you're not satisfied with and you need to recede from life. So yeah, there's a lot of, you know, um, I suppose people should be a bit more, again, this is kind of externalizing it as mm. well to mm. the whole mental health of a human mind as well that, mm. but there's a fear that, you know, I suppose people will be judged by society at work. It's very difficult to open up as well. Sure. There's shifts there at the moment, but um, I, I think stigma may be a barrier for men as well, you know, going to seek help or I, I've been listening mm. to some podcasts where they say, like, I've sought help, but my friends aren't and I can't really open up about it. No one's really doing it or at least talking about it. So I think yeah. there's room there for for kind of culture shift. I think so. I think you're, you're like, again, it's such an important thing to to raise. And and there's something that you said just a few moments ago that I didn't want to let just kind of sail by because I, I think it really resonated with me when we were speaking about intergenerational trauma and you spoke about it not just being cultural, a cultural issue, of, of course, individual 
people are, are, are at the heart of all this. So the individual mm-hmm. not getting lost in the group, it's a, it's important to retain your individuality, um, but also letting in what possible driving forces there are. And I, I think when you said that, I was like, yes, that's that's exactly that's exactly yeah. Yeah. exactly it, because mm-hmm. there can be a little bit of um of an abstaining of um responsibility i think when we start to only listen to the driving forces right yeah. it's like it's yeah. like well it must have been their fault fault therefore i don't have to do the work now to make myself feel better you know it's like you still have to show up for yourself but yeah. we're trying to take, take even, it in the context you know even as being male as well and thinking oh women or certain other groups might need more support than i do therefore i don't need to i shouldn't yeah. be seeking support which is the other flip side impact a negative impact of looking yeah. at everything from a socio-cultural perspective and not on the individual as well here at Zevo health we have designed a training to shine a light on various important aspects of the male experience particularly from the point of view of mental health and emotional well-being the session explores the untouchables the emotions that often carry very negative connotations for men, those that may consciously or unconsciously steer away from for fear of being mocked. Your employees will also come away with a deeper understanding of positive skills and qualities men can develop to foster authentic relationships. Contact us today to inquire about the men's mental health training for your organisation. www.zivohealth.com just in terms of stigma, as uh, you said, that you're sure that you're, you're sure that it exists within men as well. And like, you know, I can attest to it absolutely does, you know, and it's whatever that I mean, we all have kind of a loose idea of what stigma is. So it might be worthwhile just kind of breaking it down a small bit, yeah. you know. Yeah. So and, and I'm, again, I'm just going with it. There's a psychotherapeutic lens through which I'm looking through all this. Uh, so there is other um, lenses out there. But for today, I, I'm presenting it as that strong feeling of disapproval that mm. most most people in a society have for something, especially when we view it as being unfair. And in the context of mental health, stigma is often going to involve um, prejudice. It's often going to involve misconceptions about mental illness, mm. yes. um, which inevitably will lead to discrimination and and or exclusion right so mm. within this then we can kind of break it down further because we're looking at the individual and we're looking at the group at the same time and having a foot in both camps so then we go right if my feet are in both camps then i have to recognize that there's a public stigma and there's also um a self stigma that i'm engaging with yeah. so public st- stigma is that reaction of the population towards people with mental health issues and then i have that a little bit more insidious internalized stigma which is the prejudice people with mental health issues, um, uh, you know, the prejudice about turning against yourself for having them. Am I exhibiting a certain amount of symptoms? Does this mean I have anxiety? Does this mean I'm there yeah. for a week? Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and then we kind of go into, you know, we don't want to spend too long <laughs> doing leave insert history, but it's just the historical <laughs> context. It's kind of yeah. important to kind of bring back in as well, because you'd mentioned before about traditional religious beliefs, too. And, and all of that yes. can, can help can contribute to stigma, too. And Historically speaking, mental illness in many societies, uh, you know, was often misunderstood and associated, as you pointed out, with negative connotations. So mm-hmm. think about all the think, look, think about the Irish culture when, you know, back even from the 80s and 90s, even you know, too far away from now, 
and mental health issues are often kept within the family, as it were. You know, yes, it's yeah. a you know, we look after, you know, whatever, we'll keep it quiet or, or keep it in the community or institutional care. And when you had to use things like institutional care, that was stigmatizing in and of itself. There was Absolutely. no yeah. and that still does exist. That's now. still so there. You know, it's still yeah. there, there yeah. now. I'm not going, I'm going to spend some time here to get the help I need. It's more what are you doing there? There's something wrong with you, you know, and that that unfortunately still comes true. And there is this cultural expectation of and in men and I'd say in all society not just in Irish society mm. to be again that kind of strong stoic self-reliant kind of person right this kind of machismo that is given and that we uh, we absorb or um or any other term that denotes the pressure on men to be tough and uh, how it discourages men from admitting vulnerabilities for fear of appearing weak yeah um so this is where self self-stigmatization really rears its head and we start, you know, how are these internalized stereotypes? Um, where, sorry, rather, where are these internalized stereotypes leading me? Well, they're leading me to feel ashamed and terrible about myself. And because I'm a human that is vulnerable, I'm a human yeah. that is yeah. at times going to need help and need to to get some support. Um, but I can't reach out there because it completely conflicts with this idea of machismo or machismo. I'm not too sure how to say that word, right? Yeah. But macho, right? <laughs> Being a macho man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and look, look, the reason why I suppose we're talking about stigma anyway is because the consequences of stigma are very evident too, you know, and... Yeah. You, you, and we think till it's too late, really. Ah, until you're look, in crisis, you know. 100%, you know, and that's, a, you know, it's a really good point. And you'd mentioned even a few moments ago about that reluctance to seek help. And, and that's really 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 important because when we're reluctant to seek help we're, we're in effect putting ourselves into a mode of isolation social isolation we're removing ourselves from from the group and and potentially worsening any mental health conditions that we may have and this is not just limited to our working life this is this is something that transcends all of that it's relationships it's work life it's physical health it's anything that you feel connected to that's what gets affected when you're when your mental health is is challenged and look we we're going back to that statistic when perhaps we've explored the very start which is suicide rates and you know this it, it isn't you know it isn't worth playing around with this type of stuff no. in a way yeah. you know it, there, there are very real um consequences and you know i suppose the obvious question is how do we how do we come out of this then how do we how do we break that stigma and is can we acknowledge that the, that progress has been made i mean in your yeah. experience and in my experience can we acknowledge that in the last decades that that progress has been made i mean i would say yeah but the, i would definitely know. have seen a, a shift in the last 10 years in, right. in irish culture amongst my male friends and how they okay. socialize now and getting into jiu-jitsu and you know mm. sport or music and changing i suppose that setting where they do socialize a bit and shaking it up but that can be an age thing as well a maturing kind of a, a <laughs> sure. coincidence i suppose that's what we could talk about as well is mm. okay there's people are told go to their gp go mm. seek therapy therapy is there's so many different branches there's psychotherapy mm. there's counseling there's yeah. psychoanalysis it's endless it can be daunting i think for anyone really you know mm. going mm. to seek professional help and there's always this 
apprehension and fear of mm -hmm. you know re revisiting hurt that might be quite buried there as well you know you kind yeah. of think you'll see a therapist and they'll be all ripped open and exposed yeah. and it's it's yeah. it's bringing yourself into that vulnerable space but i think it's important to note that supporting your mental health can come from the physical health side from yeah. many other different techniques i'm trying to think hiking or you know mm -hmm. i suppose everyone has things that kind of get them out of themselves or the ruts that are in. Of course, if we're talking about severe depression or severe anxiety, it can be very difficult to kind of build up into these kind of activities again. But I think for men, maybe, I don't know, what do you think that mm. their strategies may in general be slightly different to what, you know, women might feel supportive, like, you know, sure. seeking help with with, with groups or what, what would you think in terms of solutions to support yeah. men's mental health? Well, I feel that like, I mean, psych psychotherapy, again, I'm biased. So I always find that it's, it's, it's very, very useful to have that space that's your own to explore yourself in a way that, that, that you feel is needed. Um, but let's call a spade a spade. It's expensive as well. You know, a lot of people can't, oh, yeah. can't put themselves in that position. I, and I understand that. So then we go, right, if I can't, if I don't have the money or I don't, I'm not willing to do it yet, or I'm not ready for it, whatever reason is there, how can I do something that's a bit more practicable right now? Um, mm. Or is there a solution that kind of gets, gets the ball rolling a little bit, right? So the first thing that I would feel is really valuable is, again, this is kind of piggybacking or jumping off what we we're talking about in terms of stigma, is tapping into whatever, you know, you'd use the phrase earlier on that I'm going to rob on you now, it's that that call call to action, right? So stepping into yourself a little bit. So encouraging yourself as a man without any judgment attached to it, encouraging your, yourself to challenge the stigmatizing attitudes in your own life as it is now. So, you know, you know, if, if you're feeling that you're 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 weak or you have this drive within you that is resisting something or you feel like you're small or you feel like, you know, I should be more uh, yeah, all yeah. this kind of stuff right you get you catch yourself saying i should be doing this or i shouldn't do that or you're stopping yeah. yourself from crying or whatever it is right do you don't have to change anything right now just notice it what's going on and be curious about that Very that good, drive yeah. you know so it's uh, being mindful of the language you use to describe yourself it's exercising mm. a bit of empathy for towards yourself because as we've explored today it's not just about you there's lots of stuff that came before as well. So therefore, it's not all on your shoulders. So let's relax a little bit. All right. Yeah. And then, you know, and and offering support to the men in your life. And look, you can, as a man, hopefully leverage, um, you know, your your spheres of influence to kind of follow suit, you know, whether it's that that's at home or it's on social media um, or whatever it is, it's advocating, if you can, for more open, honest and supportive dialogue around men's health. And not to feel othered by virtue of going through a bad patch. Every mm. single person does. A select few are able to admit it to themselves. That's the difference. You're still you're still a human, but and you're still experiencing something. Um, and then look, you know, that that's kind of main. That's kind of the more unconscious behavioral stuff, really, and 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 gearing yourself yeah. up. But yeah. but from like general like general tips or tricks is you know bringing them in like in encouraging yourself to 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 step into something a bit more vulnerable, encouraging a bit of open communication. Now, there's a misconception, especially with men, right? And there's a few that I've worked with before yeah. where, where there's a, a talking about being vulnerable and then immediately seeing the shutters going down, you know, or or, or, or yeah. talking openly. It's like, you know what? No, I'm not doing that. Um, because there's an assumption that if you're quite a guarded person or you want to, um, you, you're kind of uh, leaning into that stereotype of being the strong, silent, macho guy, 
by virtue of being vulnerable, it doesn't mean that you have to show all of your cards all at once. Um, yeah, that would, that would yeah. actually be a silly approach as far as I'm concerned, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like if you want to practice a bit of vulnerability and practice the idea of um, communicating what your needs are or reaching out to your partner or friends, then you start showing them one card. And if that feels good, if it's well received, you know, if you realize it isn't the scariest thing in the world, maybe here's another card and here's another card. It's that gentle, gradual approach towards communicating. You know, it can be such a powerful thing. And there, and further to that, I mean, you'd mentioned your friends doing jujitsu. Is that, I hear you right there. Yeah, like, yeah, or mixed martial arts and all that. Yeah, all that Getting kind of rid stuff. of any, uh, yeah. a good way to get rid of aggression. And, and, and it's quite psychological or cognitive mm. as well to kind of, and it's that mind-body connection without, say, an alternative to yoga or, you know, yeah. mindfulness maybe, you know. Yeah, well, it's, it's hugely important. Like any sort of physical activity is, is you know, massive. And that mind-body connection is really important to, to look at too. And for men, you know, I, I don't know if this is going to be any use, but it's certainly something that served me in the past. Um, you know, we're so we're so comfortable as a culture now to talk about when you break your leg, you need to take some rest or you break your arm, anything physically, anything physical that happens to you, it's, ah, that's that's rubbish. That's when you said a different word there, actually. Ah, that's terrible that that happened to you, you know. Um, you know, make sure you rest up. But we don't have the same approach to any sort of mental difficulty too. So sometimes even acknowledging that you're feeling anxious, try and pretend as if it's a broken leg. You know, yeah, give your give yourself the yeah. give yourself the same care and support and rest that that um temporarily broken part of you needs to recuperate, right? And this can be done through um respecting yourself, as you point out, but you done through physical activity generally anyway, and be more tuned in to uh, you know expressing emotions to the body and especially within or through the body and especially within this time that we're living in now where most of us are working on a hybrid model most of us are are separated from other people um more often than we would have been before yeah. like you and i are you and i are speaking right now i'm effe i'm effectively only seeing you from the shoulders up you're only seeing me yeah. from the shoulders up right and so that's a very cognitive space to be working from you know, and we can spend and all our time in there. lack of connection as well. You know, total lack of connection. connection. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we're yeah we're we're sitting here right now, but I know on some level that I'm just speaking to my laptop in a room here. There's no <laughs> one else here. You're not yeah. even here. You're not here. I'm you know yeah. where where you are. I'm not there. So mm. that can kind of get under our skin a little bit. So it can put bring us into our heads. And when we're in our head, that's of course fertile ground for creating worlds. That's where anxiety can rear. It's you know it's all that. Yeah, you know, that as that energy goes up, we're we're creating space for from the shoulders anyway. up, I think, as well, hunched over yeah. the desk. And I think that there's just so much more of a demand beyond ergonomics, but for like shaking off to really like engage in the nervous system, like to become more animal again instead of this head on a screen. Uh, yeah. It's just uh to be more embodied, I think, is you absolutely know, important practice. And, and that's yeah, that's the word. Yeah. That's the word he said. Embodiment. You know, that's that's exactly the word that was with me. You know, as you were speaking too. It's that how do I re-embody myself? Reconnect with, um, you know, you know, how can I reconnect with something? And you know, this may be very overly simplistic, but I find this has worked for me as well. It's when you're choosing something, it doesn't mean you have to suddenly run a marathon or do the Tour de France. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't have to do any of that. It's it's anything from walking, running, cycling, even just stretching at your desk, whatever it is, to re-embody yourself. Um, not only is it linked to stress reduction and mood improvements, you know, but you're feeling as a whole more connected to yourself. You're quite literally somebody. And sometimes bringing that yourself can be, back. Yeah. Absolutely. Or even absolutely. getting out a lunch, particularly being around nature or around animals. 
uh, it's that reconnection again and it switches from this work mind of tasks mm. to more present moment awareness which has been shown to be so good for your mental and physical health or help kind of change the mental landscape as well so it needn't uh, need always be like weekly intensive psychotherapy sessions although that would be quite helpful uh, particularly with more serious mental health concerns mm. but there's always these little things you can do in the day to help and to prioritize yourself I think as well you know to mm. to ask for that yeah absolutely you know and that's the you know and look there's a few different things you could do to keep it easier for yourself you know if you're if you're wanting if you're wanting to similar to like you know speaking to people or being more vulnerable it's one card at a time say you haven't been doing anything at your desk and you're you've, you've thought of getting into your body and I actually suppose that's something that that just came to me now you know there could be a part of everyone you know we're talking about reconnecting with the body there are people out there that um have issues with self-image and body image anyway and they don't yeah. want to actually get into their body so what I would suggest there is when we're talking about that mind-body connection it's it's important but go within your tolerance you know if, if you're resisting something if you're acutely resisting something that's so important it, yeah. it's so important to register that too because perhaps it's safer for you not to go there right now and therefore you give that the respect it deserves too but generally speaking if you're thinking you know i used to do a bit of walking or running or I used to do, do whatever and i just haven't for a while um because netflix is deadly well, then you go, right, so how do I, you know, tune back into myself in an easy way? Well, you do something that will keep you coming back for more. You don't have to start being Usain Bolt, as I said, or anything like that. It's like, right, can I give myself the opportunity just to stretch my shoulders or my arms above my head every it's hour? It's so simple, but it can hmm. it it just makes you feel better as well. I know Absolutely. Um, I've been doing a lot of uh nervous system shaking, qigong, that kind of it's, it, there are things people can look up, but just Great. it's a body up bottom up kind of technique so you're working on the body to change the mind and i think you know using your nervous system to kind of address what's going on and mm. using it as a tool to kind of you know change that landscape you know might oh, be worth someone looking into as well i think it's yeah. so cool yeah yeah, yeah. no I've, I've never never practiced or heard of it before that's that sounds amazing yeah somatic experience and it's about that embodiment part and if you have some hesitations or unconscious mm. barriers to embodiment, just something going on there and you, you you need to be or try to be curious about it as well. So it's a good way of getting in to what's going on unconsciously as well. Right. But yeah, that might be uh, another topic for another podcast. Jamie, thank you so much for that. We really um, covered some really interesting points you mm. made about stigma, about judgment, about cultural and historical trauma and impacts, um, a bit of individual agency and really trying to understand or start to empathize with, you know, the difficulties that men may be experiencing dealing with this on their own without any professional support or maybe the ability to open up. And and I suppose, as we said there, there's no one fixed approach and maybe this is the time for a further exploration of what does work for men anyway and maybe to have more research you know of men in groups and interviews to explore what works for them you know if yeah. it is different you know okay. any last thoughts oh. sorry there Jim, yeah no 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 i was just listening to you there. i was just saying uh, no thank you very much for having me i think there's there's something you know i agree with everything that you that you said there really you know and there is a huge strength um in vulnerability there really is 
Um, and there is an importance of changing the narrative around men's mental health. Um, yeah. I, know it's start, I know it's starting, but it's important, as you said, to keep listening, to keep tuning in, to find what works for you. And yeah. look, what, no matter how you feel about International Men's Day, right, um, personally, it is it just serves a purpose in highlighting these crucial issues and fostering a society where men's emotional and mental health is prioritized, understood and most importantly, supported. So not too shabby a day. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I like the part that you said, strength with vulnerability. I think, you know, the term masculinity has taken a bit of a, a, a lot of criticism and it needs to be explored about what that truly is for mm. what is a good, strong male identity, you know, without mm. this kind of toxic elements that may have been attached as a label. And where does that come from as well? So mm. I think it might be a time we look back on of, of change for men's mental health, hopefully, you know, especially yeah. in, in this world. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> thank Thanks you again. so much again for that interesting uh, conversation. And, and thank you all for, for joining us today.